0: Let's pray together. Father, we are so grateful to you. Thank you for life itself. And Father, you provide each of us, Father, the sustenance and life itself. Every day of our lives, we thank you for that. Thank you for your love that was demonstrated at Calvary and sending your son into this world in the most unique way. And Father, we we, we worship you and we praise your name. You're the God of eternity. And Father, you are the God of creation. Teach us, grow us. We thank you for each person here this day. Bless our time together, Lord. Allow your word to go forth in, in, in your authority and power and strength. And Father, we pray for this church family, those, those that are struggling, Lord. We, we think of Josh and Josh Bray, who just lost his mom. Father, we pray for that family and, and Lord, that you might just comfort them and strengthen them, encourage their hearts. Thank you that his mom was a believer. And Lord, we know the truth of your word, absent from the body, present with the Lord. And thank you, Father, for that promise. And, Father, also for those that are in the hospital now, we, we pray for Dick Maganella, Lord, as we recover from surgery. And just ask that you might just knit his body together. And, Lord, allow it to, to work really well. And we just lift him to you, surround him with your presence. Keep his heart encouraged. And, Father, also we pray for Sharon Rowlands, Lord, as she's about to embark on uh, chemotherapy. And, Father, we just ask that you would just uh, uh, go with her through this whole time. Father, for others, we think of Sally and Sally, two different Sallys in this church, Father, one with pancreatitis and the other one with uh, just had a, a brain hemorrhage. Father, we just pray that you might just be with both and encourage their hearts and bring healing. Father, that you'd speak and open their hearts to hear from you. And Father, for there's others, Lord, throughout this family. And Father, we just pray for them, that you would be close to them. Each unspoken, Father, we lift to you. Thank you, Father, for this glorious time of Christmas season. Thank you for Jesus and that came into this world in a most unique way. Teach us this morning. In his name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Oh, I tell you what, it's beginning to look a lot like. Yeah, look around here. Boy, you see these trees and the decorations and what happened to our lights? I don't know what happened to our lights up here, you know. All our lights disappeared. I thought they were going there. But, but, but anyway, But any, it's, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. So it's fun time of the year. I like Christmas time. And I was able to go up to the old barn yesterday, and I got a big cross now, a lighted cross on the side of my barn. One side have a big star. The other side has a big lighted cross. So that's good, huh? It's a, it's, a, it's a silent witness, a testimony for Jesus, so I'm just praising the Lord for that and was able to do that, but going to do it for some years now. And, but uh, let, me, uh, let me just say, welcome to Cross Creek, You're glad we're glad you're here with us this morning and uh, we're going to be talking about a subject, we're going to really be looking at a lady in the Bible, a woman, a young woman named Mary, and we're going to be looking at her life, but we're going to, the title of the message is, When God Changes My Plans. Now last week, did our plans change? How many here was for the weather that was here at church? Yeah. Two? <laughs> Three? <laughs> Do I have four? Do I have four? <laughs> but anyway, so. Do you, you know what? There was like over, almost like 260 people that was out. Okay. and uh, But it was really uh, limited last week with the ice and the rain and the snow and all that kind of stuff. And and the freezing aspect of it all, and, and the first service was pretty well attended, and the second service, it really took a nosedive, and so I took a, uh, and went down in the front here, and I just talked and walked around and just talked out with my heart, and I left my notes up here, and I, I liked it that way. Sometimes I threatened to do that, just to get away from my notes and just walk around. I'm not sure if you'd want to do, want to hear me do that. Uh, I do it at Bible study sometimes, in, in our Wednesday night Bible study, and and... There's a nice liberty of freedom there. So we, we hot rod around through scripture, and God is good. And, but God is a, an amazing God. And, and in fact, last week we looked, for those that weren't here and those that maybe watched streaming, we looked at the 300 prophecies in the Old Testament. You have Genesis through Malachi, and then you had 400 silent years. And in those silent years, God wasn't speaking through prophets. In that silent years was a a special time that God was preparing the world. He was putting powers in place. Uh, The Roman government, the Grecian Empire fell away, and the Roman Empire became greater. Infrastructure, roads, so many things was happening. The Great Wall of China was being built. So much was happening during those quote, silent years, even though God wasn't silent, God was still working, God was really engaged in this world because He was getting this world prepped and ready to send His Son into the world. And and, and, and so and the time came, and, and we see prophecies, over 300 prophecies that was written in Genesis to Malachi, 300, now get this, because we looked at probability and mathematical probability studies and a lot of things that was done and a lot of oh man a lot of scholars has really written some major books on this but essentially 300 prophecies was fulfilled by the coming of Jesus Christ by his birth in Bethlehem to, uh, to his life and miracles that he performed and then ultimately to the cross and the suffering that was made at Calvary and his death at Calvary's cross, and then his burial and his resurrection, 300 prophecies. There's still, still in God's word, there's 150 more, 150 plus prophecies yet to be fulfilled in the second coming of Christ, when he comes back in power and great glory, when he comes back and every eye shall see him, when he comes back and fights the battle arm again, on and on and on, when he sets up the millennial kingdom, when he, uh, you know, all these prophecies will be. Fulfilled eventually, but 300 were fulfilled, and so God, in the Old Testament prophets, and then we see the three or the 400 years of silence, and then God dramatically, everything was ready, and God stepped into back into the picture in a big way, and He sent His His messenger, His His servant, who was Gabriel, His angel who stands in the very presence of God. He sent Gabriel into this world and to meet a man in the temple, in the Jewish temple, and his name was Zechariah. And I believe you're familiar with the story, but this is what we looked at last week. And Zechariah was there ministering in the temple and, and Gabriel appeared and says, Zechariah, you and your wife are going to have a child. And, and wow, they're up there in years In age, they were way past childbearing days, and so no way was this going to happen. Well, he left his duties there serving in the temple, and he went home. And when he did, she became pregnant. And this was John the Baptist. And the angel said, this is the one you're going to name John, and he's going to prepare the way for the Messiah. The one that was predicted, those 300 different places in the Old Testament, the Messiah is going to come. And, and, but before he comes, we're going to have this messenger, this one called John the Baptist, and he's going to prepare the way. And so he started to baptize people in the Jordan and calling people to repentance. And so a lot of things were happening. And, and John the Baptist was preparing the elite, preparing the religious people and the people in general for the coming of the Messiah and so now we start to pick up this story, six months into Elizabeth's pregnancy, and once again God sends His angel Gabriel to a young girl named Mary. Now get the try to get the picture. And in fact, if you have your Bibles, it's found in Luke chapter one. I encourage you to turn your Bibles, Luke chapter one, verse 26, and we'll be reading down through 28. I also put it on the overhead, so you have it up here. But let me read this passage. In the sixth month, in verse 26, In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. And you will be with child and give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. And you see her response, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. With all the things that was going on, In Mary's mind at that time, can you imagine what it must have been like for her to, you know, be espoused to Joseph? And now all of a sudden an angel appears to her and we start to hear all these things. And, you know, she's going to be pregnant and she's a virgin. How can this be? See, I guess the question begs to be asked, how do we accept change when it comes into our lives? Have you ever had change come into your life? Has anything ever changed in your life that, radic- that radically got you off dead center and start moving in a different direction? I have, and I think probably you have too. Frank shaking your head, Dave shaking his head. Every one of us has experienced changes in our lives that we often do not expect. And this was a big change that was transpiring in the life of Mary. Many times we see these events that comes into our life as inconveniences. I'm the first to admit that. An inconvenience. And our spirit gets disturbed. And, you know, an accident happens. I remember driving home when we were on a building project here. One Saturday afternoon we had work day because we sort of like a a blue-collar church. But we we had work day here every Tuesday night, every Thursday night, and every Saturday morning. I remember driving home Saturday morning and I rear-ended a truck in front of me and then a truck behind me rear-ended me. It was going right into Dallas, and I, I believe, and I, somebody stopped in a big line of traffic, and the whole line just started to move, moving along, and then all of a sudden, instant stop. They didn't know what I'm talking about? And I think someone was letting someone to go into Wendy's. And so the car was turning into Wendy's. Everyone bang, 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 bang. And, and so there's a three car, and I totaled my truck. You know, unexpected things. Things happen in our lives. So accidents happen, an illness comes into our life, and, and, and you know, a doctor's report happens and it sort of spearheads us and moves us in a different direction. I remember uh, like a year or so, I, I had a, a nodular uh, uh, nodules in my lung and in, in a cluster of them, and, and it's like, wow, your whole life starts to take a different direction. And sometimes sometimes when our lives change, when our plans or my plans change, we become aggravated. Do you ever get aggravated? Do you ever get stressful or maybe the worry starts to happen and things starts to move and, and we get frustrated or maybe impatient, we get upset. Things happen. Uh, Kathy and I had a big change of plans not too long ago. A new church, you were in on it. Remember Pineapple? <laughs> Okay, so the pineapple and the people gave uh, so that Kathy and I go to Israel, and so we went to Israel and we got back like a couple of weeks ago. But it was absolutely a phenomenal trip, a fascinating trip that probably we would never have gone. But it totally changed our plans by giving us church family, giving us a trip, celebrating our twentieth twenty years here at Cross Creek. It was it was big, and those things come into our life that that sort of out of our sort of control because God is orchestrating some bigger things behind it all. And so to walk where Jesus walked was absolutely an incredible experience. And, and, you know, I I still have so many emotions, so many things. And it's just like the town of Nazareth. I mean, uh, when we read about Mary and Joseph, that's the town they were from. Did you realize, I mean, today Nazareth is the the largest population, I think about 20,000 or so Christians in Nazareth today, Christian believers uh, a lot of them, and, and, and so it's a, it's, a, it's a vibrant town, but it's an old town. But in the days of Jesus, Nazareth was considered a, sort of the hick town. Nazareth was like the, nothing good comes from Nazareth. Nazareth is way up north of Sea of Galilee. It's way up there. It's out of sight, out of mind, and, you know, Nazareth is a whole bunch of hillbillies from Nazareth, and so it's not too good. But isn't it interesting that God chose Nazareth, <laughs> And, and fulfilling scripture in the Old Testament says that he will be called a Nazarite. He'll be a Nazarene from Nazareth. And so it's just, it's just so beautiful how God just works in, in, in ways that's beyond us. You know, sometimes God changes our plans. Uh, this past Sunday, we had the rain and or the ice and all the snow and all that kind of stuff. And Teddy was plowing. We had a plow truck here for five years. And plowing, it was a used truck, but it was good. We, it was good shape. And Teddy just finished getting everything plowed, and we're just cleaning up a little bit out here. And all of a sudden, he said, how oh, the smoke started coming up out of the dash? Whoa, I better better get it over to the by the garage. He ran it over quickly to the garage, and more smoke, more smoke, more smoke, and all of a boom, flame. Where there's smoke, there's fire. Well, fire erupted. And so then he said he grabbed snow and tried throwing snow on. Well, there he is right there. You know, but uh, Teddy finally got the fire extinguisher and put the flames out, and... You know, it was like crazy. And I walked over, I drove in just a little, just a little while after, and, and the, the one turn signal light was on. And I says, oh, Ted, he says, the, 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 you know, we got to disconnect that battery. you got to, you know, take the power off. And I said, maybe that turn signal. And he, he flips the turn signal a little bit, the turn, turn signal off, and all of a sudden the engine starts cranking. <laughs> oh, man, that baby's going to flame up again. <laughs> Things change. Things happen. Life is real, <laughs> you know, each of us. We go through things in our lives, things with our children, things with our spouse, things in our relationships, with our marriages, things at job. Life is filled with changes, and God is behind so many of those changes. Now, God is not an evil God or a wicked God. In other words, God didn't say, okay, I want you to fly airplanes into the tray tower. No, it's because of our sinful nature, the evilness of, of the heart of man is evil and continually, and we see that there's evil, there's sin, there's bad stuff in this world, and man has a will, and they can choose to fly airplanes, or they can choose to shoot up people. You know, God's not behind that. He could stop it, but He doesn't. But He allows things to happen and to be played out in this world. And we see the big question is, how do I handle, accept change, when it comes into my life? See, people or circumstances come into our lives and we just really feel like everything is out of our control, like things are just spinning crazy. But those things that we seem to believe is out of control are really circumstances that God allows in our lives. Y'all follow me there. It's important to realize this because God is absolutely sovereign. Sovereign. And we sometimes are blinded in our judgment and our thoughts and we start to move in this direction and we sort of do anything that we can to push in our plans and push our way. And God is saying, no, I want you to stop. I don't want you to go down that avenue. Don't go down that path. And so, But to realize life is filled with twists and turns. There's going to be ups and downs. The ebb and the flow of life is real. And, and so those things are real. And, and when God changes my plans, we must realize it. And it's throughout the Christmas story we see this. Change, change is a lifetime process. Sometimes when things happen in our life, we think, well, let's quickly get this cleared up and head off and go a different direction. But sometimes those things that happens to our lives dramatically changes our life for the rest of our life. You know what I'm talking about, guys, I know you do. The death of a loved one, you know, it, 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 it dramatically upsets our lives. But God will use those hurts and use those pains and use those difficulties to teach us, to grow us, to mature us, to draw us into that closer walk, as you're going to see here in our lessons this morning. See, we oftentimes expect those quick fixes and yet change. Change is really a lifetime process. happens throughout our lives. Throughout the Christmas story, and I love the Christmas story because the Christmas story is, is, is tremendous. And every December we go into Christmas stories because it's one big story, but it's filled with tremendous little stories. But it's one big overall game plan that God has. And, you know, God chose the right time to send His Son into this world and his son wasn't just another person, but his son is God in the flesh. God the son. And, and he came into this world and he proved who he said he was. and he, he healed the, blame, the lame and the blind. He cleansed the lepers. He fed the multitudes. He even raised the dead. Now who, you know, who was this guy? Was he really Lord? Was he really God in the flesh that walked this earth? Or was he some lunatic? No, there's over and over we see his miracles. They proved who he said he was. And then ultimately the world hated him and despised him and rejected him and he was crucified. Wow, I tell you what, it's just an amazing story, but he he didn't stay dead, then he, he rose again and he's alive, he's a, is a risen savior. And so throughout the, the Christmas story, and the, it's, it's massive, it's big, but we see various lives of individuals who had their plans totally changed, totally and dramatically changed. King Herod, he was greatly troubled because King Herod alone wanted to be king. And now he's had someone trying to move in on this. And, you know, you're a king. Where's your kingdom? My kingdom is not of this world. You know, I find no fault in this man. He's innocent. No, I tell you what, the shepherds, the shepherds were very content to spend another quiet, peaceful night watching their sheep. You know, they were, the, they were the nobodies out there in the, in the farmland and the rolling hills. You know, they, they were very content to be out there, but their plans changed when a heavenly host of angels lit up the sky and told about the birth of, of the Christ child. You know, you look over and over, the religious leaders, the religious leaders, they, they were looking for a Messiah that they could control, not one who was going to bring peace and redemption to this world, They wanted this, and and so their whole plans changed. And so ultimately, crucify him. we got to kill him. we got to put him dead, out of sight, out of mind. Yeah, and then they buried him, and they thought he was done. But three days later, what happened? (laughs) Up from the grave, he arose. He's a living Savior. This is who we're talking about here. We're not talking about some kind of a little G God, but a big God. And so we also see that their plans changed. Even the innkeeper, he was booked up to overflowing. His total plans changed. The wise men, the wise men from the east, they came seeking and they saw and they found the Christ child. And they went home a, a different route. Their whole lives were changed. In this passage of scripture we just read, we see two teenagers, two teenagers. And they believe that Mary was probably 15 or 16 in the age and they believe Joseph was probably 18 or 19, somewhere in that time frame. We aren't told the age of, the, of these two, of Mary and Joseph. But these two teenagers wanted so much to get married, so much to settle down, and so much to have a family and to raise their children and to live happily ever after. But you notice what happened. God, God Almighty, steps into the picture. And God redirects their lives. And, and so we're going to be looking on how to handle things in our lives just like Mary did, how she handled situations when God changes my plan. And so as we start to unpack this this morning, the first thing I want us to see is to realize who God is. How do we accept change? When change comes into our life, when the hurt comes in, when just a difficult circumstance or when an event happens, realize who God is. That's the first part. Realize who God is. Now, who is God? You know, we're here in a religious service that we call religious service. We talk about God. We talk about Jesus. Christianity is set apart from all the other 4,000 religions in this world. Christianity, one God, three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. These three are one, the triune God. Who can understand it? God puts it like this that we can't. There's no human alive that can figure out God. But we must realize that we live and operate in a world of faith, and you're going to see here as this develops. But we must realize who God is. Look at in verse 26. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to this hick town, this town in Galilee called Nazareth. And then he says these words in verse 19. I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And then in verse 37. For nothing is impossible with God. The angel tells Mary that she's going to give birth to the Christ child without knowing a man. What? This is impossible. No way is this going to happen. It's an impossibility. But realize who God is. With God nothing is impossible. Instead of doubting or complaining she was proactive in her thought process and she wondered, she understood Her thinking was right. She started to realize who God is. He is our sovereign creator God, the mighty one. He is the one that orchestrates life itself. He's the one that gives you and I breath. You and I are created in the very image of almighty God. See, don't ever minimize God. Don't ever think that he doesn't see you or hear you or know you. Doesn't, don't ever think that He gives up on you. He is there for you. He's a good God, but He created all things. He is a creator God. I love Christmas because it's Christmas lights. They like lights in Christmas? Awesome. I, you know what? We got a new tree, and it's really neat because the new tree, in one bulb, it'll change the voltage going to that little bulb is how it works, and basically it'll go white and then it'll go to green, and then it'll go to blue, and then it'll go... To, you know what I'm talking about? you got that in houses now. Everything is these smart houses with all these different colors. And you, we have an artificial tree. I must admit that. 47 years we've been married, and probably last year we got the artificial tree. And I'll just tell you a little bit of the story, not to discourage you guys, but we've been buying trees since day one. Some of the trees look horrendous. And some of these trees, I take my drill, trusty drill. I drill on the tree, and I take the, the, the different branches, and I stick in them holes to make them look pretty. <laughs> so you can buy the, go in the woods and chop down. You should see one tree that I cut off of my property, and we had 30 acres, and I cut. I said, we're going to get a tree off our property. Went back there and found a <laughs> The needle's not about that big. it was a white pine. <laughs> you know, got a on it go, it falls off. But we've, we always got our trees, and they were always good trees, beautiful trees, after a little fixing. But this one year, a couple years ago, we got this tree, we got it from over in Harding here. It was a nice tree, gorgeous tree. We had to put it in a great room. It's a big, tall tree, and it come down and it fits way up in a nice ceiling, and wow, it was a beautiful tree until the spiders start to grow and the spiders started to spin their little spider webs and then all of a sudden you look at the tree and it looks white here and looks white here and here, here, here. Now, thousands of white little spider things all over the tree. Whoa, I don't like spiders. I stomp them. And so what I did, I said, Kathy, get the dog out and you too, and we're gonna put a smoke bomb under that baby and we're gonna light her up underneath the tree. I so i put her underneath the tree. <laughs> we got out of the house, we killed those suckers and so those things were dead. But we still had the stinking little white stuff on the tree. So that sort of soured us a little bit. So we went out and bought a tri- uh, an artificial tree. Okay, that's, so don't hold it against me. But the bulbs are cool because they change colors and <laughs> the light colors. And why am I saying that? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. What that word created mean? It's In the Hebrew, it's bara. B-A-R-A. It carries a sense of something instantaneous, something miraculous, something out of nothing, okay? And so God created how God Almighty could say, let there be light, and there were light. Do you know scientists today can't even, I don't know how many theories it takes for them to try to figure out what light is, and they still can't come up with a good, clear-cut understanding of what light is. Oh, I tell you what, it's fascinating because I'm I'm not here to preach on that one, but boy, I I, I preach a message on light consists of three waves, and I think it corresponds with the Father, Son, Holy Spirit in a beautiful way, but anyway, light. And when we see these lights and they are trees and they light white and then they go green and then they go blue and then it's so beautiful, but God created it all. Understand, see, when the realities of life changes in our life, when we, our plans get really messed up, when our plans start to change, realize who God is. He's our creator. You, you and I didn't evolve. We're created in the very image of Almighty God, and we are created to last forever. We're going to live forever. And to realize that, that God created us, Male and female, to realize that there is truth and there is lies. That's the reality of our world. And today we have most of this world say there is no God. You don't have to, you don't have to worship him, you don't have to go to church, his book is no good, his son is not real. There is no God. We all evolve from lower species the little neba started to climb out of the water and started to grow legs and then f- wings and everything that exists came from lower species hundreds of millions of years and all these theories keep changing today I'll debate anybody honestly I will and I'll debate I'll debate not upon the scriptures even though I believe them but I'll debate upon science because I think there's more science approves of recent creation than Evolution. That's real. See, God is real. And yet this world is just sort of head, head going crazy into the brink. This world is going crazy and teaching our kids and teaching our families and teaching us. There is no God. We all evolved. No, that's a lie out of the pit of hell. God is real. God is true. Realize who God is. He is absolutely powerful. And yet we see We see many are in the plans, are the plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. In our passage that we just read, we we see the terms, the words, God and Lord and Jesus and Son of the Most High. That phrase itself just links, that makes Jesus God. Lord God, Holy Spirit, Son of God, Mighty One, Holy. See, Mary realized who God is. In verses 46 through 55, we read a passage often called the Magnificent or Mary's Song. And in that Mary's Song, we see 15 Old Testament, 15 Old Testament teachings, Old Testament truths and from passages of Scripture that she equates in those songs, which means in that psalm, in those few verses of Scripture, which means that Mary had good training. Mary had godly dads and moms and, and, and that instilled the truth of God's word in her life. Mary had good upbringing in her family. And so we see that, in, especially in Mary's song. I love verse 47. She rejoices in God, my Savior, my Savior. Mary needed a Savior, just like you and I need a Savior. The Scripture is very clear that all have sinned, and fallen short of the glory of God. There's no one righteous. I'm not good enough to go to heaven and you're not either. There's there's not one person alive that's good enough. And so God had to come up with a way, how can I redeem people that are sinful? How can I change the whole plan? How can I make a difference? And so what did he do? God Almighty, the creator of it all, created humans to walk upright, humans, To understand and then God even says I placed eternity in their hearts in other words we're gonna live forever and we just have as humans we have the capacity to know God because man is spirit God is spirit man is body soul and spirit but we have the capacity to know God and to be able to worship God and we see in Scripture that God loves us his creation And how can I redeem this fallen world, this world that is filled with brokenness and hurt and struggle and decay and disease and illnesses? How do I redeem fallen man? There's only one way. I'm going to send my son Jesus into this world. Oh, boy. Predicted 300 times in the Old Testament. He's going to come. Silent years. God. Moving the chess pieces around the plate and around the, around the checkerboard <laughs> and all of a sudden in the chessboard and, and, and putting Roman government in power and all the infrastructure, of the roads, and bringing it all together. Languages, how God worked through the language barriers. And when the time had fully come, God sent his son into this world. That was the only way. How to redeem fallen man. God's creation that he loves that fell way back there in the Garden of Eden. How is he going to redeem? By his only son. And his son came and proved who he said he was. He worked the miracles. He raised the dead. He he healed the blind. He fed the multitudes. And he was hated and despised. The light came into the dark world and the dark world hated it. They despised him. They hated him. He had the, the first year was a year of popularity, and the famous one. <laughs> but then it turned savage. The later part of his life in the ministry of three years or so, three and a half years, man, everywhere he went, they wanted to kill him. They can't have this guy that's claiming to be the Messiah. But all the while, he's raising the dead. You tell me who can raise the dead. Yeah, only God. You tell me who can heal the blind and the, the lepers. God. See, it's so important to realize who God is. If we have a little G God, he's not able to do anything. Mary understood this. And so we see she realized who God was. And then we see remember who I am. That's the second one. It's so important because it ties in with the first. Realize who God is and then remember who I am. Verse 48. He has been mindful of the humble, the lowest state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. See what Mary is saying is: God Almighty took notice of me. A most unlikely servant girl from a hick town called Nazareth. When nothing good comes out of Nazareth. <laughs> And God has been mindful of the humble state of His servant. And Mary found favor with God. Look in verse 30. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. That's grace. Grace is unmerited favor. Somewhere along the line, God looked and He He extends grace to us. Grace is God's unmerited favor. In other words, you can't do something to earn God's goodness. You can't, you're dead, and I am dead in our trespasses and sin, Ephesians 1. We are dead in our trespasses. We're dead in our sins. We don't have a little spark of goodness. There's no little light shining in me saying, oh, someday I hope to go to heaven someday. No, there is none. It is out, it's flickered out. There's a little smoke is coming up from it. <laughs> There's no little candle burning. And God so loved the world. What did He do? (laughs) He sent His Son, Jesus, into the world. In a most unique way, through a little servant girl, a young servant girl named Mary. Mary, she realized who God is, and then she remembered who she was. She found that grace, that favor, that wonderful relationship with Almighty God. Think carefully as Christians, think back to when you, before you were saved. Think back before the time that you knew Christ. I, I can go back in my mind and my memory and, and think back 42 years or so ago when I came to faith in Christ. I didn't know exactly what I was doing, I didn't understand all the theology, and I still don't understand. they so deep that you can mind the Word of God forever. But it's so powerful, so beautiful. And to realize that God calls us out of darkness into his glorious light. And so think carefully. Remember what it was like, what your life was like. Remember what Christ has done for you. Where are you today versus five years ago or ten years ago? Where are you? What are you doing? God has plans for you. See, we must see yourself as God would see you. Our thoughts change as we focus, as we start to focus on realizing who God is and remembering who we are. In 1 Peter 5, 5 says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Mary was a humble servant. And sometimes if we're lifted in pride and we're proud, God resists. I don't want to be resisted by God. God says he gives grace to the humble. And I, I look at that, and I always look at it. God resists the proud. It's almost like God stiff arms us. He keeps us at arm length. He keeps us away from Him. We can't get too close to Him. Why? Because we're, we're, we're living in sin. We're living in stuff down here that it ought not to be. Or maybe you're just thinking, oh, boy, I'm the most wonderful gift to humanity. No. Mary was a humble servant girl. She loved God. And she was honest about it, and she was true about it. She was pure. She was holy. She was righteous. She was blameless. And she found God's grace. See, God uses the externals to change my internals. The Lord guides us and teaches us, and he teaches us as a humble spirit. He gives grace to those servants of Him, his that are humble and humble. When God rearranges our plans, it draws us closer to himself. As we seek him, we are transformed from the inside out. I love it in the word of God because in the New Testament, God uses hagios. It's a, it's a Greek word. Hagios, it means, and it's translated saints. Sixty times in the scripture, 60, 60 times. God calls every Christian, every believer in Jesus, he calls them a saint. So you can start calling me St. Dave. it's theologically correct right hey St. Frank yeah see God can to understand who we are we're not that patched up sinner but we're a brand new created person see when God changes our plans it's always for the good it's always for the better because God Almighty he knows what's best for us. Jeremiah 29 for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. See, when my plans change, realize who God is, remember who I am, and then relinquish my will to God's. That's the next step. You relinquish. You know who God is. You start to understand and realize who God is. And you start to remember who you are. We're dead in trespasses and trespasses in sin. And God made us alive in Christ. And then you relinquish my will to his. Luke one thirty eight. Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered, may it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. What a beautiful response from Mary. Humble surrender in faith to God's sovereign plans. Remember, Jesus prayed three times in the garden, Matthew 26. He prayed, Father, let this cup be taken from me, yet not my will, but your will be done. The Son prayed to the Father for God's will to be done in his life. Mary, same thing, that your will be done. It's the same with us. When those plans of mine that seem to be paramount all of a sudden comes down and gets all fractured and twisted out of shape. Just heard your spouse has been having an affair on you. You just heard or found out that some illness my child has. An accident happens. A truck burns up. You rest. You understand that God is sovereign; He's in control. Understand who I am, and then you submit your will to His. Okay, that's the next step. That's the progression that has to happen. And and I see Mary acknowledges she is a servant, a bond slave to Christ, doing His will and not hers. We see the tiny picture where God sees the full big beautiful panorama see change plans when our plans get changed it'll expose the attitudes of my heart and sometimes when our plans change if you're like me you get angry you get upset That person cut you off, that little old lady pulled out in front of you, and you have something so busy, you've got to get to that appointment, and you're late, and that person don't know what I'm going through, and don't know what's on my plate, and you're driving 45 miles an hour in a 55 zone. I want to do 70, but there's no passing, I'm afraid of cops. So the law, legally, will hold me down, right? You know what I'm saying. Our plans change constantly. Constantly, and expose the attitudes of my heart. Who's really in control of my life? And it affects those around you. It affects you and those around you. You know, for better or for worse. When your plans start to change, there's usually somebody watching. And you know your spouse might be watching, but maybe your coworker, maybe your school classmates, maybe your dad or mom, or maybe your spouse, or maybe your kids. So how are you going to respond when that storm blows into your life? when that plan gets uprooted. You've been saying you're a great Christian. Oh, you're a marvelous Christian. You're a pillar. Well, what happens when the storms hit and the plans change? Are you going to shrivel up and blow away? You're gonna stand strong in your faith. That's what we gotta do. That's what Christ tells us to do. That's important, guys. So it affects people around us. And then it also changes plans, demonstrates my commitment to the Lord. It shows my level of commitment. So we realize who God is and remember who I am and relinquish my will. God, this is your will, You're sovereign. And then fourthly, you resolve to walk by faith. In verse 45, blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. See, if God, if God steps in to change your plans, Trust Him. Trust Him. Your plans have changed. This, you are going this direction. All of a sudden, boom, This major things happens, And a storm blew in, the ice storm, whatever it could be, financial situations. Trust Him. Determine to make up your mind to trust and to walk by faith. Not limiting God's plans or scope of operation for He is able to do what? the impossible, something above and beyond you. So you stretch your faith as you grow up in your spiritual life. You forget your talents and all your oracle skills and abilities that you have. (laughs) God tells us to die to self and come alive in Christ, to pick up your cross and follow me. Stay true to the Word of God. Don't violate the Word of God by your own cares and notions see when your plans change change with them allow God to change you by trusting and believing that your Lord is able God is on the throne as you walk by faith I love Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 and I quote it a lot because it's meaningful to me without faith it is what impossible to please God. You want to please God. If I want to please God, we got to walk by this thing called faith. And faith is not having all your ducks in a row, one plus two plus three plus four equals, not having everything all logically written out and figured out and analyzed. And Well, I believe this and I believe that. Well, that's fine. Where's your walk of faith? Where's your trust in the supernatural, almighty, powerful God? See, God is real. God is on the throne and He is in control. And walking by faith, without faith it is impossible to please Him because he who comes to Him must believe that He exists. Do you believe that God exists? Amen. And that God is a rewarder of those that dil- diligently seek Him. Right. Study the word diligently. Diligently. Study the word seek. See, so many times it's a, a flippant, soft faith. You know, oh, I wish God would heal this person. But then you never never pray, never talk about it. Never, I, my, I, oh, I so want my wife to get saved. And oh, God, save her soul. But you live like the devil. How, why would you get saved? You see what I'm saying? See, it's faith. Do you believe that God exists? And if God exists, then diligently seek Him. And when you do, you're gonna be pleasing Him because you're gonna be stepping out and walking by faith. And when you do, guess what? Faith can be frightening. It's scary to step out in faith. It's scary to step out in the unknown that we don't have all our ducks in a row and everything all cozy and perfectly analyzed and analytically set down in pattern right here. (laughs) Because faith is that. That unseen substance, that, that, that faith is something, and, and it's not having faith because Muslims have faith. The Islamic terrorists, they have faith. They believe in Muhammad and they believe in the Quran, let's that, kill and butcher people. No. See, make sure your faith is in truth, rooted in Jesus and God Almighty. See, faith can be frightening. To marry a parent of an angel, if I saw an angel come show up, I'd be scared to death, right? Some glittering, shining being from out of this world. <laughs> and then to have the angel tell her that she's going to give birth? <sighs> I never knew a man, how would you know, see no sin nature was passed here. And then we see the raised a Messiah? The Messiah? I'm going to raise the Messiah? I'm going to be the mother? it's frightening. What will the future behold? And then I, I don't have time to build it, but right at the cross we see Mary was right there watching her son at the crucifixion. What was she thinking? Seeing his ministry, raising him, giving birth to this little baby? Huh. Wow. My walk of faith may be frightening. My walk of faith may encounter obstacles. Understand that when God works, he works above and beyond my human understanding and reasoning. And there will be obstacles. There will be bends in the road and turns in the roads and, you know, uh, speed strips along and bumps and bounces and everything. That will happen. But understand your faith is being grown through it. And God is trying to teach us and trying to teach you and trying to teach me as he takes us through those hard knocks of life. See God's plans is perfect. And we're going to encounter obstacles. I, I would imagine for a pregnant girl that's 9 months pregnant to be told Joseph has to go to Bethlehem afraid of which is 6 miles south of Jerusalem. This You're talking Nazareth. This is is 90 miles away. Can you imagine walking down, being pregnant moms, ladies here? Being big with child? Whoa. Right? Whoa, I got some labor pains, Joe. Then they finally get down. 90 miles, and they get there. And guess what? There's no room in the in the Motel 6 down there, they're booked up. Then even the, after the baby's born, then to flee to Egypt, to encounter all, this, all these different, different things that transpired, but obstacles. And my walk of faith may seem to be illogical, illogical. Think about it, how illogical is it, a pregnant virgin? No way. No, it can't happen. And yet Mary, she didn't doubt, but she believed. Contrast that with Zechariah when the angel Gabriel told Zechariah, Zechariah, you're an old lady Elizabeth, she may be up in her eighties. She's well past bearing age of bearing children. She's going to be pregnant. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, for not believing me, you aren't going to be able to talk till the baby's born. Nine months. And then after the baby was born, he had wrote out, what's his name going to be? John. What? Yeah, John the Baptist. God is real, my friends. Trust him. See, how illogical. Does God ever lead us in illogical ways? He sure does. Ways that don't make sense to us. David, you're going to kill Goliath down the valley of Elam? Oh, no. So David comes breezing into camp, and everyone's quaking. Saul's quaking in his boots, the Scripture says. Here's big nine-foot Goliath down there. And all the whole Israeli army, nobody wanted to go down to fight him because they couldn't. They were wimps. And David, young David, comes in. He was tending the sheep, and he comes and carrying some food for his brothers. And he says, I'll go down and whoop his butt. Let me at him. And he did. He took a slingshot, a sling, one rock right here, put Goliath down. Illogical. A little kid. Oh, no, Saul, you got to put, Saul tells him, you put your armor on. Well, Saul's tall 10 feet tall himself. I mean, really tall guy. And little David couldn't even have his armor on. See, illogical. On and on, whether it's Gideon. Gideon, you're, gonna, you're, gonna, you're you're a mighty man of valor. No way, oh God, no way. I'm on nothing but a farmer. No, Gideon, you're going down there, you're going to defeat the Midianites with 300 people, 300 soldiers. And the Midianites, over 120,000 of them. You're going to kill them all? No way. Illogical. Whether it's Gideon or Moses or Daniel or Joseph, I look even at Cross Creek. You're going to start a church. Wow, no, God. God, I'll do anything you want me to do. I will not be a pastor. I'll fly missionaries. I'll fly around the world. I'll do anything like that. I will volunteer. I'll do anything. But I won't pastor a church. Now, praise God. Look what he's doing at Cross Creek. See, things seem to be illogical, and that's how God works. God works in a spectacular way. Isaiah 55, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. See, God's plans are perfect. and God's plans are more wonderful than we can ever imagine. When our plans of life change, they will always be in sequence with what God is doing in our lives. See, we see the invisible. As we walk by faith, we see the invisible. We hear the unspeakable. We believe the incredible and think the impossible. As results in God being exalted, in verse 46, my soul glorifies the Lord. God is glorified through it. We also see an indescribable joy in verse 47. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, and also results in blessings to others. In verse 50, his mercy extends to those who fear him. So the blessings, not only for us, but those around us. And then we see a deep satisfaction in verse 53. He has filled the hungry with good things. Are you living God's plan? If you're not living God's plan for your life, but if you're living your own plan, you will be experiencing fatigue and frustration and fear and worry and lacking that inner joy. This Christmas, I encourage you to realize that God made you for a purpose and He wants to work through you. The question is, will you let Him? Have your plans gone haywire and you just don't know why? Maybe it's God trying to get your attention. Must give it up. Surrender your plans. Surrender your will to God's this Christmas. Maybe this morning the Lord is speaking to you. Perhaps this morning God is redirecting some of your thoughts and plans in your life, even as this message. Will you submit to his will? Will you fully trust him? And begin to really walk by faith. I'm not sure where each of you are, but understand the big picture that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. you want to go to heaven, the heaven is not found in any other religion. Heaven and forgiveness of sin is not found anywhere other than God's one and only Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man, upon the face of this whole entire earth, no man comes to the Father up in heaven except through me. Jesus is not a way among many ways. Jesus is the only way. You all get that one, guys. It's important. Praise the Lord. If you haven't trusted Jesus Christ this morning, I'm going to give you an opportunity to trust him. Very simple. Just pray. I'm going to lead you in a very simple prayer. And and I'm not going to call you up front. I'm not going to do anything like that. But I'm going to just ask you to make a public knowledge by raising your hand as every head bow, every eyes close. So let's bow our heads, bow our hearts together. This describes you, if you aren't sure you're saved, if you're not sure you're going to heaven, you're not sure of your sins being forgiven. God has plans for your life. And those plans include you. God wants to include you and God wants to work in your life. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your savior, would you open your heart to him? Would you raise your hand at this time would you lift your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I see your hand. I see your hand, ma'am. I see your hand. I see your hands over here. Thank you. You may put them down after I, I see your hand, sir. Thank you. I see your hand, ma'am. Ma'am, I see yours. You can put them down. A lot of folks in the first service, a lot of folks, and in this service, too. Let me just, I'm going to lead you in a very simple prayer. Just pray this prayer from your heart. Now, Heavenly Father, I thank you for loving me. Thank you for demonstrating your love and sending your Son into this world in a most unique way. Thank you, Jesus, that you lived a perfect life and you went to a cross and gave your life, shed your blood for the sin of mankind. But you died for me. Forgive me of my sin. I believe in you. I trust you. Come into my life. Come into my heart and change me. Thank you for dying. Thank you for being buried and rising again alive that you are God, that you love me. Thank you for saving my soul. And for us as Christians, for everyone in this room, all the believers, Father, I pray that you will help us to see the big picture when we're in the midst of change, when we're in the midst in troubles and trials in our life, that, God, that we might see you, see ourselves, humble ourselves to your will, and, Father, to trust you and walk by faith, and you'll do incredible things in our lives. Help us to trust you and to walk by faith. We praise you, we love you, and we thank you for making a way when there was absolutely no way. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand together. Let me just say this. If you trusted Jesus as your Savior this morning, welcome to the family of God. Amen. amen.